I'm Amanda. And I'm Mike. And this, this is Saturday, Saturday Morning, Morning Cereal. Hey, what is up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Cereal. I'm here with Mike. And today, we are talking about a very special movie that probably holds a special place in all your hearts. And that is Titanic, which is one of my guilty pleasure favorite films out there. Um, and it's kind of crazy. And it's going to make you feel old that Titanic is 25 years old. Does that make you feel old, Mike? Well, what makes me feel old is that Leonardo DiCaprio is dating people who are 19 years old and who were born after this movie came out. Oh, God. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Well, anyway... <laughs> Titanic just holds um, such a great um, just place in people's hearts because of, I feel like us millennials, that was the movie for us. I don't know if you agree with that or not, Mike, but I personally think it is. If you ask anybody our age, like if you just say the word Titanic, they're always like Leonardo DiCaprio or draw me like one of your French girls and, you know, stuff like that. And the door and any, anything that has to deal with the movie, someone knows something from it. So let's dive right into it. So when Titanic came out, I was seven years old, I believe. Mike, you were eight? Eight, yeah. Yeah. So I personally was a little too young to go see it in the movie theater, so I did not see it in, in the theater. But we do have family and friends who did see it in the theaters. And one was a serial member, Chris, is saying that when he went and saw the movie, him and his friend saw it with his sister, and they were just kind of, you know, your typical little preteen, teenage boys in the theater. Um, and then your sister, Mike, has seen... How, how many times did she see it in theaters? She said, like, 14 times. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. I think it was, like, a weekly event for them. Yeah. And if you... Like, anything, any guy back in that time period, you ask, like... Who's your celebrity crush? Nine times out of ten, a girl will say, Leonardo DiCaprio. Because <laughs> he was, he was like all the rage back in the day. I mean, you know, he was, I think I read he was 20 years old when he starred as Jack. So, you know, right in that, you know, boy age range where, you know, teeny boppers that were, teeny boppers back in the day loved him. And it was, like, right in that time period, too, with, like, boy bands. So, like, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, um, just stuff like that. Mostly, like, I think Backstreet Boys came first. But, you know, and that's just what made the 90s so great is when you think 90s, Titanic is in there as well. as like, Pokemon and, you know, various Disney movies that came out and music. So it was definitely a pop culture phenomenon. Leonardo DiCaprio was definitely one of the, one of those things that contributed to 90s pop culture. Would you agree? Yeah, Leo was everywhere. I remember a lot of people thought he was the the boy version of Casper and Casper, but he wasn't. Yeah, I just remember him being everywhere. Mm-hmm. The Beach came out after this, and a lot of people wanted to go see it just because he was in it, even though it was a not well-received movie. Yeah. And then Kate Winslet starred opposite him as Rose, and she was 22. So she was a little older than him, which, you know, I thought so. And I think... And it was surprising to me because Rose is actually 17. That's how old the character was. And I was like, oh boy. (laughs) Um, Because she faces a lot of mature 
aspects in her life and I never realized she was so young like the character not the actress the character how she had to be married off to this rich guy and then she finds Jack and they engage in like really a passionate love affair like (laughs) and I'm just like wow all of that is 17 years old holy cow it was a different time Amanda I mean it was over a hundred years ago now Mm -hmm. I think and Women didn't have as many rights as they they did. Yeah. So to to as a woman to get the things that you need like shelter and money and uh, happiness, sometimes you had to just marry a guy who had all those things. Right, that's true. So, but Kate Winslet too. She also became a household name because of this movie. But now I think she generally makes movies just um, in the UK now. I I I don't remember the last time I've seen her in a movie. We just saw her in Avatar 2. She was in Avatar 2. That's right. Okay. But, yeah, she, it, I think it's rare, though, when she pops into, like, America cinema. Have you not seen The Holiday? No, I have not. Have you not seen Internal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind? No. I just know she starred in a lot of movies with Alan Rickman. Like, that was, like, her thing. Yeah, that, that's The Holiday. It I is? I think. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, well, or Love we'll Actually. Was, was it Love that. Actually? No, she was not in love, actually. I don't think she was. Okay. Sorry, guys. Anyway. <laughs> um, and then we have Billy Zane as a flippin' Cal, who everyone hates, right? And Billy Zane, it's interesting because we always say that they gave our hotel room away at Comic-Con to him. So, it was funny because he was at Indianapolis Comic-Con. And he what got announced at the last minute, right? He was announced like the Friday. He was announced the first day of the uh, the Friday convention. And then we rolled into town at like midnight. We had just come from a wedding. Yeah, and then we get to our hotel, which was the Marriott, which was in the convention. Um, and it was they were like, "Sorry, we gave your room up, but we put you in a new room across the street at the JW Marriott." So we blame Billy Zane for that. <laughs> yeah, Billy Zane, if you're listening, yeah, yeah, we blame you. And then Kathy Bates as Molly Brown. I I love Molly. That character is great. She comes from what they quote unquote new money, and I just think she's a really great um, mediator between Jack, who's the low class. Like she understands what it's like to be like low and middle class, and how they perceive the upper class, and then. She just kind of calls out um, Rose's mom sometimes, or like Cal, like how ridiculous they're being, and especially when the boat sinks, and she's just like, you know, what's wrong with you guys? Those are our men out there. Like, I just think she's, that's a great role. I really, I really enjoy her performance. Like, she's probably one of my favorites in this movie as an adult now. And then we have Victor Garber as Thomas Andrews, and he's a classic. You love him, right? Oh, he was in Legally Blonde, and he was also on The Flash at, and uh, Alias. So he's just a, a great char- character actor. And I'm always delighted when I see him pop up in a, in a movie. And then this film was behind, or the, the mastermind behind this film was James Cameron, who I think he did the best he could with this movie being so heavy as it was. And for it being the 90s and not having what we have now for CGI, right? What do you think? I think I think everything in this movie holds up well. I think it, it still looks great uh, 25 years later. For sure. And James Cameron is behind a lot of great movies, such as the current Avatar movies that are out. 
And the overall storyline of this film just it worked so well because it balanced between having a love story and then trying to preserve historical fact when it comes to the Titanic tragedy. And I think James Cameron captured that really well. What do you think? Yeah, he obviously uh, created these new characters, you know, Jack and Rose and all of them. But he uh, he kept the accuracy of how the ship sank and how uh, lifeboats were and just like everything. Like he reconstructed, I think, a third of the ship to, to film the movie. So props off to Mr. Cameron. Yeah. And just going back to the storyline, how, and it's like you just said, they really mixed in historical facts well into this fictional love story because there's a lot of things in this movie that happened in real life where there wasn't enough lifeboats to go around and the rich were able, and women and children, but they started with the upper class down to the lower class. And unfortunately, like, that's how, you know, it was back in the day. I mean, I don't think they really care too much about safety back then i don't know i mean i know there was a lot of tragedies like this titanic wasn't the only ship that sank um and there was a couple other tragedies like this out there but rose has some lines where she's talking to like mr andrews and then like the boat's investor like all these people will die like come on what the heck and then like you need to redesign that and she just seems like really interested in the facts of the boat because she's reiterating what lessons were learned from the Titanic sinking. And I think that was really clever how, you know, they included that in the dialogue. And then, you know, you also have just this, like, passionate love story between Jack and Rose. And, I mean, who doesn't love a good love story? Especially, like, you know, women who love the notebook and stuff. That's right up their alley. There's people out there that love those kind of genres. And even just, you know, overall, just watching a good love story, you know, can be heartfelt. I think Jack and Rose is good, and just at the end, when they, you know, when Jack dies, it's just such a blow, because they worked so hard, and, you know, having a relationship on that boat, and then, you know, uh, Rose is like, I want to leave with you when the boat docks and stuff, and, oh, God. So, Mike, do you think both could have fit on the door? Uh, they did it on Mythbusters, and they proved that both could do it, but then James Cameron came back, and he was like, no, they both wouldn't fit, and then he came back again and said, yeah, they, they probably both would have fit. So it's back and forth. Mm-hmm. But I trust the data that the, myth, the Mythbusters did. Yeah. That's like the biggest discussion out there up to this day still is why Jack couldn't fit on that door as well. And when we were watching this, we sat down and watched it um, last week, Mike, you were saying that, like, you could literally just grab, like, a bed or something and use that as a float, like a pool floaty. Yeah, if you watch the movie, there's a, a quite a few pieces of furniture that are just floating around that you could have, like, manifested into some type of raft or craft or something and just float on the boat. But then again, you probably would have gotten sucked under mm-hmm. when the, the, the whole ship went down, so who knows. But. Yeah. Let's hope I never have to find that lesson out in real life. Well, we're going on a cruise in the summer, so I was, like, Googling after we watched the movie, like, do the Disney Cruise Line lifeboats hold everybody? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't like boats, period. So the only way you're getting me on a boat is if Mickey Mouse is on it. And we love the Disney Cruise Line, not to disparage anything with that. It's just me. 
I mean, Jack had Jack had to die. I mean, thematically, that's how the movie has to close. Is that he's he's this person who, who who demonstrates what the Titanic was, which was just this death trap for people of the lower class, and how they they died while the the rich survived. I mean, he has to die. Yeah. I mean, would you have loved this movie as much, or do you think it would have been as big mm-hmm. if Jack had fit on that door and he had lived? Absolutely not. No. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just... And that's what made the story so good, was just having him die and Rose going on to tell the story 84 years later. (laughs) So that leads up to my next point, which is, like, the historical facts, which, like, I I briefly mentioned about how James James Cameron included all all that, like, in Rose's dialogue. Um, And then it's just at the beginning of the film where we see the wreckage and the ocean um, and... You were like, is that real? I'm like, yeah, it's real footage. And they incorporate that. And just the transitions between scenes with, you know, the present and then the past when she's telling the story. Like, for instance, like the ballroom, how the little, like, I don't even know what that's called, underwater camera is like going in and looking at the, you know, wreckage of the ballroom. And then it transitions into the ballroom on the Titanic and, you know, in the past. I like those transitions. I don't know about you. Um... But yeah, and then you got, you know, old Rose telling the story. Um, Yeah, I just, and you know, it makes you go down a rabbit hole of looking at the history of the Titanic. I do that all the time. And I remember in school, when I was in grade school, we went and saw a movie um, at the IMAX. It was called The Great Abyss, right? Uh, I didn't see it. I think I was sick that day or something. Yeah, yeah. but um, it, it was just a big 3D IMAX adventure of you know, recovering of the Titanic. And it's interesting because they're saying come 2030, the wreckage will be gone because sea creatures and all that will eat it up. And a lot of parts are disappearing. So that's a shame. It feels like when, when the Titanic disappears, like, I don't know. I'm actually really sad about that. (laughs) How do you feel about that, Mike? I think it was just a ship and I'm really sad that all the people die on that boat. That's, that's the real tragedy. Yeah, that's true. So I, I have a three disc set of the Titanic that my mom got me. And at first I was like, why? But like, you know, secretly I loved having that and I still do. And that's how we watched it. Um, I know one of our friends was saying like, you know, the VHS tapes were two tapes and you had to, you know, take out one and then put the second tape in to watch the second half of the film. Well, my DVD is the same way. You have to, you know, take out one disc and put the second disc in to watch the rest of the film. And then the third disc is all bonus features, which is behind the scenes. And it is interesting to say the least. And Mike, you said how James Cameron rebuilt like a third of the ship. That's what he did. And they had a big, and they called it the bathtub. And that's how they filmed a lot of the sinking footage. And also, they had a simulator as well, where um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet were, like, on top of, and, like, as they went down into the water, like, when the ship went up. I'm trying to explain it, but, like, when the ship goes up in the air, um, it was just kind of, like, like half of the ship up on the simulator. So that was really interesting. It's so cool to watch the behind the scenes and just how they recreated, like, the costumes, the cars, everything about it. Um, Mike, you're all about, you know, like 3D animation and special effects. What do you think of everything in general? Uh, 
I think it was all revolutionary at the time, and I'm sure a lot of people saw this movie and they had no idea how it was made. I remember that this was the last movie that my grandparents had made an effort to see in the theater. They had checked out a cinema like years ago, and they went and they saw this movie in theaters. And I'm sure that they were just blown away about how far movies had come in the past 10 or so years since they had last seen the movie. So it's it still holds up today, and uh, the work that he did for this movie is it's revolutionary and it, it's it's it was groundbreaking and uh he had every all the piece of technology he used he used at his disposal he he capitalized on like you're talking about that that transition shot like uh from the the parlor right yeah. the, the dining room what'd you call it i don't know we'll call it the dining hall the dining hall right yeah. so he would have had to make that dining hall underwater in 3d and then uh take that information from the camera moving in 3d apply it to a real life camera on a sound stage moving through an exact replica of that 3d set built into the modern dining hall so it just it's great yeah it's so interesting and too uh we were talking about when we were watching at the lighting especially when they're in the ocean and they're frozen basically like their lips are blue and all you, you thought it was makeup i was pretty sure it was, it was just lighting yeah well it is i was watching a behind the scenes thing yeah it's it's crazy and then you're you were saying too that water is probably cold <laughs> yeah when they film movies with water scenes they have to film the water they, they they film in water that's very cold because if you film in warmer water the steam is going to get up into the lens. It's going to fog. There's going to be condensation and humidity and all that stuff. And you have to film in cold water. So th- I think there's a scene in this movie where Leonardo DiCaprio goes, Oh, snap, that's cold or something like that. Yeah. That was probably just him, like, improving or he just broke character for a second. But film water is very cold. Yeah. Here I thought it was like a sauna. I was like, they're probably not cold. It's probably like a hot tub in there. <laughs> nope. No, the, the line you're mentioning is when Rose rescues him from, like, the downstairs jail. And he's like, oh, shit, this water's cold. Shit, shit. And we're like, yep, he broke character. That and um, when she's like, I'll go find help. And he's like, I'll wait here. <laughs> yeah, that's when he's he's handcuffed to the, the pipe. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, it's just, you're right. Everything in this movie is just so revolutionary. And it's so real looking. Like, the corpses in the water. I was just, it, yeah. I mean, little seven-year-old Amanda was blown away. And I thought it was real. Because, you know, when you're seven, you have that hard distinction of what's real and what's not still. So, yeah. Lastly, we're going to talk about the legacy of this movie. And like I said before, the legacy is huge. I mean, there's people out there that, I mean, I still love this movie. I watch this movie probably once every five years. And every time I watch it, it's like I'm watching it for the first time. It's crazy. I remember, like I said, I was seven and my grandma, we rented it from the video store because I was like, everyone's talking about this movie, like all my friends, like we need to watch this film, right? So, and my grandma and I, I used to stay at her house when I was little and we would watch movies on Saturday night after we would go to church and go out to eat and we would come back and watch watch a movie. So I remember watching, and I think um, our friend Maddie can attest to this too, that 
When you're a child, Kate Winslet's boobs are like the first pair of boobs that you see. And yeah, that was my first time seeing that. And yeah, I remember my grandma like rushing across the living room to cover my eyes. <laughs> but like when you're that young, you really don't understand what the heck is going on. I just remember though being like so deeply affected by the tragedy and just the sinking. It was like so surreal to sit down and watch these people like just fighting for their lives, drowning. And I think that might be contributing why I have a fear of drowning is this movie and being exposed to it at a young age. Um, but I was just so blown away by just how real it was. And I couldn't comprehend. It was like so incomprehensible to me as a kid, just how tragic this was overall. And I was like so blown away by the fact that there wasn't a Jack and a Rose. <laughs> there could have been, we don't know. How about you, Mike? What what what's your like first thing? I think when I saw this in the theater, someone had the mindfulness to cover my eyes during that scene, mm -hmm. and then I think it came out on uh, VHS, and then that's when the the guardianship of my parents or whoever slipped up, and then, then I think that's when I first saw them. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just such a, a still a relevant movie as we we continue to see how things just don't work out for the favor of the poor and the working class in uh, like catastrophic conditions like we saw during the pandemic. We saw that the poor people were dying in outrageous numbers compared to the wealthy paper the wealthy people because they were working in those close confining conditions and they they weren't offered the protection or or the the medicine that the rich people were offered working from home or, or having better doctors so yeah it's just such a relevant movie and it's just yeah. a, it's so funny that this movie was one of the is the highest grossing movie of all time or avatar is and both those movies just have huge anti-capitalist message but they made the most money ever it's so ironic it is ironic and i'm sitting here like getting actually mad about that because it's like these people like you know the rich conservatives that and i'm you know i'm not going to talk about politics but you know when it comes to this kind of stuff it's like they watch it and they think oh that's too bad like we need to do better in the world but then it's like then we don't no we we, we really haven't yeah so that's all I'm going to say about that issue. But another legacy that this movie leaves is the Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On song. I mean, who doesn't know that song? And that song, the score is based off that song. There's like different chords, different renditions of like the na 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 na, like that part, all over the film. And it's just such an iconic tune. So, I mean, yeah. I listen to that song sometimes when you're in a mood and what you, yeah, it's a good song, right, Mike? <laughs> Celine Dion is my favorite, like ballad vocalist out of, a, out of the big woman, you know, in, in music, like she's my favorite. Yeah. And she even did like the Deadpool 2 soundtrack. Oh yeah. Ashes. Ashes. Yeah. yeah. Great song. Like, I'm pretty sure she's a really cool person in real life. Like I'm pretty sure she'll sit down and watch Deadpool and just like laugh at the raunchy jokes. Yes. That's why I love her. And then she goes on and starts singing, like, because you loved me and, you know, that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, so props to Celine Dion. We love her. <laughs> and with that, 
We hope that you guys enjoyed this little bit of a throwback to Titanic, and please let us know what your first memories of this movie is, and we would just love to read them because we, I, I personally love to reminisce about the 90s, so I, I find myself in a mood, and especially when you go on TikTok and you see, like, commercials from the 90s and music from the 90s. I love all that stuff. So anyway, but next episode is very exciting, especially for you, Mike, your love of Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd, and maybe you should tell him a little story about what happened with me and Paul Rudd. We'll save that for the next episode. Okay, yeah. Tune in, tune in for the next episode here. this uh, heartwarming story about me and Paul Rudd. Yes. <laughs> Paul Rudd is very special to us because of a circumstance. So, yes, tune into the next episode. And because Friday night we are seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, the King Dynasty, <laughs> Mr. King. So we're excited to see more. We're seeing it in 3D. It looks spectacular. Yes. Secretly hoping like Loki and Sylvie make an appearance, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. (laughs) Again, I'm still going to go back to my theory that Sylvie is going to be the leader of the next Avengers team. I don't think it's going to be Sam Wilson or or, or, uh, War Machine. I think it's going to be Sylvie. Sylvie's amazing. She's phenomenal. And Sophia DiMartino is so great with Sylvie. But anyway, um, and then we just got some news dropped from Bob Iger about Zootopia sequel coming out, which I personally love Zootopia. I love, and, and we were just talking about the fact if it wasn't, if a rabbit was not like the main character, I don't think I would have liked it that much, but I love bunnies, so it's a given for me. So I'm a little excited about it. Frozen 3, I'm on the fence about. You know, I mean, I love Frozen, but I'm kind of sick of Frozen too. At the same time, <laughs> I mean, Disney could have had their own Avatar universe, like their own like elemental universe, and I think everything we don't get in Frozen that I wanted to see, you know, people with elemental abilities, we're gonna get in Elemental. Yeah. Coming out, so we'll see about that. Yeah. And then, of course, there's another movie that was announced. Yep. Toy yeah. Story. Toy Story 5. I am... Okay. Toy Story 5, Woody's Revenge. Okay. I... Okay. Yeah. Everyone's asking me what I'm thinking because, you know, as a massive, overbearing Toy Story fangirl here, I, I'm i thrilled, first of all, because I can never get enough of these guys, especially Jesse and Buzz Lightyear. Cannot get enough of them. But as a cinematic critic here, I'm just like, what are they going to do? And I think it would be hilarious if they reverse Toy Story 4. There, if, like, Woody comes back to Bonnie. Like, you know, there's a knock on the room door, and, they, and like, Buzz opens the door, and Woody's like, I made a mistake. <laughs> I don't know. We all know my thoughts about Toy Story 4, how, you know, they just wrecked the characters for me, and... How Toy Story 3 was just one big hypothetical thing on Woody's part. Well, it's funny that you didn't like the movie, but you continued to buy the merchandise of the movie, which is where they make the most of the money. So we buy things with Jesse on it. So if you don't if you don't like any of these movies when they come out, don't buy the merchandise as well. Do not support yeah. them that way, and they will get the idea that the movie was not well received because the merch isn't selling. Well, there's a lot of Toy Story 4 things that are on clearance and I've seen on clearance like Bo Peep dolls and all that but there's just not enough Jesse merch out there and it's so bad (laughs) anyway I digress 
Uh, but anyway, that's what's coming up. And today, as we're recording, is the Super Bowl. So we are very excited to see what trailers drop during commercials. And, you know, I'm very excited for Loki, obviously. What are you excited to see, Mike? Oh, I'm waiting for just a surprise trailer that we don't expect that will catch everyone's attention. Hmm. Like, I don't know. Maybe Toy Story 5. No. It's no. too soon. <laughs> no, I can't be, think. It, wouldn't that be wild? <laughs> they've already filmed it. I mean, they've already animated it and recorded it. And they're just like, yeah, we got the trailer ready. Right. That will never happen. But I hope you guys all have a great week. And we will talk to you next time. Again, you don't want to miss it because we have a Paul Rudd story for you. <laughs> all right. Take care.